0: Welcome to Live Sense8. I'm Sheila Applegate.
1: And I'm Zach Hansen.
0: In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sense8. We're doing an episode by episode exploration of how we can live a Sense8 life. We'll be also throwing in some special episodes along the way. In this segment, What's Going On?, we talk about what's happening in the world of Sense8 fandom. Let's begin with a guided meditation on March 20th. We are doing a Give Sense 8 a Season 3 global meditation. We're having everyone tune in from around the world and give this world a great big Sense 8 vibrational hug with the intention that we get more seasons of this incredible transformational show and that the world begins to resonate from this incredible frequency. So you can sign up to join me live as I lead you through a meditation. And there is a recording for those of you who are in places in the world where you may be asleep and join us in dreams and come later. All right. You may have also seen that Netflix Life on Twitter has started a countdown where they are starting to put out some Sense8 articles and kind of get a little bit of hype going for this special. We haven't heard the announcement of when yet, but it is around the corner. Don't forget to put your submissions in to share with a documentary that Martin Earhart is making, Sense8 Is My Life. Those submissions need to be in by March 31st, and the information to send them is on our Patreon. So get out your cameras and tell your story. Type it up if you don't want to be on camera, but be a part of this revolution. And have you seen that we have some Live Sensate t-shirts out now? We've got one that says Sensate AF. Because you are, and another one that says got limbic resonance because you do. Okay, they only say the first line, I'm just added the extra. (laughs) And some exciting news: Maximilian Ewalt, who played Grace, Neat's mom, has officially scheduled to record with us, so she will be on a show of Live Since 8 coming up, and she's amazing in real life. We've had a chance to get to know her a little bit. It's going to be an incredible show. And finally, but most importantly, thank you to Stephanie P. and Martin Earhart for supporting us on Patreon. Let's get this show started.
1: In today's episode of the Live Sense Eight Podcast, we'll be covering episode four of season one. What's going on? And it was directed by Tom Twiker, and the it was written and created by the Unpronounceable Productions, Lana and Lily Wachowski and Michael J. Strazinsky. And we got a little bit of a little bit of a synopsis here. We got Max and Felix with the diamond buyers selling and celebrating what do you think about this Sheila
0: (laughs) I like selling and celebrating
1: yeah selling stuff's good it's fun it's exciting get to buy some new shoes get to be (laughs) a new man or woman (laughs) and we got Kala meeting up with some dirty bastards about her wedding and learning about the dark side of her soon-to-be bonded husband.
0: Right. In two different scenes. <laughs> she learned about that at the temple, but she's, she's getting down to see some of the layers of what's going on.
1: Mm, so many sure. layers in this show. Yeah. It's like an onion and it's delicious. <laughs> All right. So then we have Caffias totally got picked up. By a serious, serious gangster. Drug lord. It was scary. It
0: was scary.
1: Did you get scared? I got scared. I was scared for Gaffius. I didn't think Van Damme was coming back.
0: Van Damme always uh, comes back.
1: <laughs> I saw the show once and I already knew. But I was like, man, they did a good job. I really don't think Van Damme's coming back. All right. And then we got Lido totally upset about Danielle's... X showing up at his sacred space, which is the stage.
0: But was supposed to be the home. So we're looking at some of the new dynamics of what it's like to bring a third person into a relationship and balancing out some of the old dynamics. So that's getting interesting.
1: Who's totally involved with the Mafia. It's not, you know, oh, that somebody. person. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh
0: yeah, Danielle is totally involved with them. Like mafia. her
1: parents, her 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 new crazy husband, who's loco. All right, and then we got Will speaks to Jonas and also helps Son and Nomi at the same time. Will's getting prepped. He's getting groomed to be like the quarterback of the group, in <clears throat> my opinion. And then we have Son. She confronts her asshole motherfucking father and brother, they're dickheads, about the pharmaceutical embezzling as they try to manipulate her and taking the fall so she can save the company.
0: Yeah, my notes of that part was pretty much like, these guys are pissing me off. (laughs) They're manipulating these guys. (laughs) Mostly my notes were just like talking about her brother and her father and how much that bothered me, but we'll talk about that as we go further.
1: (laughs) And then we have the what's going on music karaoke scene, which was awesome.
0: It was very awesome. Very thematic. Perfect soundtrack for a lobotomy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is the perfect soundtrack for a lobotomy.
0: All right, so should we start by... It actually opens pretty intensely with Felix Before and Before we get started, oh, what okay. do
1: I normally yeah. say at the beginning of these shows that you would <laughs> like to say today, Sheila? I wasn't going to let that one slide.
0: Okay, so I watched it earlier in the week to prepare i usually go ahead and watch it and then we watch it together and of course i've watched it a few times but i did get done with this one and i went to zach and i'm like there's nothing in this episode
1: and i was like oh man this is gonna be a rough (laughs) ride trying to record this one because that's usually what i say (laughs) boy were we wrong right when we sat
0: down together there there was a lot.
1: Yeah, we're chilling out right now. We're like, how do we get this thing under four hours? I'm just kidding. Don't worry. It won't be that long. But seriously, <laughs> it could be.
0: Okay, so back to Felix and Wolfgang, because this is the piece I picked up on. and Maybe even what made me not see anything else, because when I watched it that one time, because there, this, to me, is so huge. Like, I thought we could take a whole episode on Felix and Wolfgang's first opening lines. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty much going to do that right now.
1: Let's do it. I'm going to, I'm actually going to, oh, oh, before what? you
0: quote, let me tell everyone, I want to tell everyone where they are. Oh yeah, So in the opening scene and there's references to this, but you may not know all of where, what they are. Like I knew it had to do with the Holocaust, but after research, what I realized is that it's, it's actually the, um, it's called the garden of exile. And it stands outside the Jewish Museum in Berlin. And the garden represents the experience of the European Jewish exiles driven from their home during World War II. And apparently when you're standing in between the rows of 49 concrete container columns, there's a feeling of being very claustrophobic and disoriented. And you have this sense that you, know you logically can escape or that escape is very close, but physically you feel as if you're trapped forever and apparently it was created by Danielle Libeskind and or designed um, that's Daniel, I'm sorry Daniel, and he designed the the museum as well and So the garden's columns are arranged in square on a 12 degree gradient, effectively disorienting and destabilizing you as you walk up and down the rows. And only when you look up and see the willow branches reaching towards the sky and dipping over the edges of the containers do you feel that there's possibly some release. So it's actually designed to give you the feeling that the people who were trapped in the Holocaust would have, um, experienced.
1: That's intense.
0: Yeah. And another interesting fact about this is that apparently it opened on September 11th, 2001 and closed shortly after because of the September 11th attacks at the Twin Towers. So on its very first day of opening is the 9-11 attacks in New York. And then they closed down for a few days because of that. And then they reopened for their first time. But coincidence? Pretty synchronistic. Synchronicity, yes. All right, so I don't know. I think that in itself. So this is the point that they choose to meet. And now we, we open up to the X, the Garden of Exile and Felix.
1: And Felix. Everyone wants to believe that they'll be a hero. Join the resistance. Try to kill Hitler. It's such fucking bullshit. It's obedience, not resistance. That's the glue of every country, every army, every religion in the world. And then Wolfgang, what the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) Felix, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about our revolution. I'm sorry, evolution.
0: Evolution, our evolution. So you've got you've got Felix, who's basically the um, sidekick, comic relief. Yeah, and they
1: got a serious bromance going on too.
0: Yeah, and then he comes out with this like mind-blowing explanation of humanity. Mm-hmm.
1: You can tell he's kind of a he's a deep thinker. The, both of them are actually oh, like yeah. they are very, you know, they're they grew up in their gangsters it's what they do but it doesn't mean that's what they want to be doing or they don't see something different in reality so very deep these characters are
0: yeah and so then the diamond buyer had chosen the spot and um he says that this place brings me clarity to any decision and he thinks about how much courage his mother had because he tells the story about how she fell in love with an Englishman and left Germany against her parents' will and ended up uh, escaping the situation. And when she came back, she was never able to find her family, but Mm -hmm. she did stay there, um, never left again, which is an interesting story. And he thinks about how much courage she had to make that decision. And then he throws another really powerful line in. He
1: does. Our existence depends on sheer impossibilities. And if you look into um, quantum physics and uh, quantum superpositioning and that explanation of life, I'll let you do that on your own. <laughs> it's pretty amazing to see how uh, we really are being supported by nature if that's what you want to call it, on the best outcome that we could possibly experience as this being. So it's really cool that they put that in there for sure.
0: Yeah, so I kind of dove into this one and it really kind of, I don't want to say trigger in the way that people think of trigger being a negative thing, but it kind of invoked in me a thought that I've contemplated for a long time and kind of stems off into a lot of places that we can discuss but i think that history is so important um and my understanding uh as a u.s citizen and born and raised here in the u.s and I know we never know everything and we're always told stories. And so I'm not even saying that this perception is more real than another perception, but we were always, we were taught so much about Hitler and the Holocaust and never let it happen again. And that was a huge part of our our curriculum in the schools but we're but like the united states is this the hero in that right like they just apparently in the stories or in the stories we were taught come in and and help save the day but Hitler is the bad guy and the nazis and and i'm not saying that i'm advocating for that at all but what i'm saying is this black and white thinking and the others the other people that we must uh, not be like and not and kind of what we talked about a couple weeks ago about or last week about not um, not looking at organizations as a they but what we've done during that time is completely shielded people from the United States history and the reality that happened here like we're not really taught that I grew up on the land of the Haudenosaunee, the Iroquois nation, um, which is actually the Native Americans, as we call them now, they were here on this land uh, before the pilgrims arrived, uh, the Europeans, and they already had a system of democracy and our entire government is based on their system that was ancient and here and working,
1: minus a very M- important right.
0: part. Right, minus an important part in that they they took out the feminine side. So in the um, Haudenosaunee Confederacy, the the clan mother is plays an intercultural war um, intercal- role. And, and creates that balance of the male and the female, which um, we did not include. We kind of stripped that role out, we being the forefathers.
1: So to paint a little bit a better picture here. So we have the chiefs, they were there. They let the chiefs be chiefs, but when it came to any major decisions, the clan mothers would actually be the ones to decide if the chiefs could do what they decided to do. Is that correct? Yeah, they, the they're the
0: they're the ones. Well, they're consulted and revered in that way too. So the feminine energy being a part of it, but also, they are the ones that can um, choose the chiefs and remove the chiefs. And and that's not that's only a tiny aspect. Then we have so so what I'm saying is I grew up on this land. So we actually had in the middle school we did have one like uh social studies um segment where we learned about that. But for the most part, I'm surprised at what people don't know. But it's not even that. We didn't the most of the history, most educated Americans, uh, that were just go through the school system are not uh, on purpose, I believe. They're not taught about the fact, you know, we have this love story of them finding this new land. It wasn't new. It was completely inhabited and conquered. And there's a genocide at the roots of this government and this country that nobody wants to talk about. So we tell this story of these foreigners who did this and hide the own story and that's my perception of it my understanding and this is where i come to this i've heard and i believe it to be true that the germans dealt with the holocaust completely differently and in doing that grew and overcame and moved from this devastation to becoming also world leaders and which we didn't think you know which which maybe people wouldn't have thought would happen but they create they they brought this reality and not that i'm saying i think all history gets written in a monoistic way in the sense that it doesn't show all the layers of truth the
1: victors write the history books
0: <laughs> this is true right so um i'm not saying that it's perfect but we've got this garden this monument that's not it's not like it's not just statues of the of the army and the 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 warriors it's a it's it's a calculated art that allows you not to think about what happened but to feel it not to have sympathy for these poor foreigners these days and to separate yourself from them And not even foreigners, meaning another country. I mean, I'm glad it's not me. Like, it's them. Like, there's poor people. It would never happen to me. Like, Felix is saying, I'd be the hero. I'd be doing this. I would do this in this situation. But instead, it gives you... This garden gives you this opportunity to experience the feeling. They replicate the emotion of it. So, right there, they're bringing in emotion instead of just story. And so then people write... People can... To me motion emotions are more of a story than the words than the thoughts than the way it gets told so if you experience the feeling of it it's it means more than the details which like you said change with who's telling it mm-hmm. but we integrate it when we feel it so that was that's why i didn't see anything else in this episode first time because i've been thinking about this for A long time and
1: Sheila didn't do some research on this particular scene like I we watched it again together and I was like I would have no idea where they were at that would make it, it didn't it was a little Easter egg it's like I'm glad you went and researched where they were at so we could have this conversation and just to show like the idea of how we different countries handle different things like instead of sympathy we have an empathetic olympic resonance right we have this connection right, right. that you can experience and and life is really about our experience and that's where we get our, our most of our trustworthy information comes from our own experience and empathy building with other people around us which is a total theme of the show so just this little nonchalant scene right it's it, it's really potent
0: yeah and then just to bring it into sort of like how you know because this is all about how does it relate to our everyday life um and i was watching the daily show with trevor noah and he brought on the three americans in the 1517 paris so it's a movie that's coming out and it has to do with and they're the people that were actually on the train so
1: so in paris there was some tourists from america over there and there was a gentleman who was going to do this? He was going to mob down. He was going to shoot down some people in public on a train, right?
0: A lot of people, right? a so lot of ammunition. This, this, this terrorist comes in.
1: He's got a razor blade. He's got a, an AK, and he's got a pistol, and he's just going to start shooting people down. And then you have these three Americans that are on this train, and that's what the movie's about because they stopped him from killing anybody.
0: Right. So that isn't about. So you've got these heroes, right? That's one of those Mm -hmm. things where it would say, like Felix is saying, well, everybody, you know, thinks they're gonna be a hero. So we got these three people who are a hero in our eyes. And so they get on to Trevor Noah's show and he's asking them what they were thinking and what they were feeling. And it's such a split second thing. The first guy who charged at him in the beginning, he basically said his thought was, and his thought was, we're all dying anyway. I might as well go out with a blaze or something mm-hmm. like that. So if I'm going to die, I might as well let people, you know, hear might some well good things about me. trying,
1: them. right, exactly.
0: Yeah. And then his friend says, well, we've been friends, you know, since we were five. Our moms still live next to each other. I just would have felt like crap if I lived and he died. So I went in too. You know, so it's just this sort of like, you don't make the decision to be a hero like none of them although they saved the entire train of people and then one of them or then they go over and somebody did get shot and they saved that person's life but they're like well we just were thinking he was gonna die and we wanted to be with him at the end and make his last few minutes okay and yet they saved their, their life so it's just like wow when we just stay in the moment and we're real because if they could look at that and be saying that now what 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 the difference is is they weren't looking at a storyline they were being themselves and they were looking at the moment step by step they weren't gonna they were just doing what their brain told them to do for themselves in that moment and in doing that they became the heroes
1: yeah, it was a pretty good outcome for them.
0: <laughs> yeah, it worked out well. Yeah, actually the guy that charges him actually got the the gunman shot at him but the ammunition didn't work and yeah, that's malfunctioned. why he that's why he survived. So weird. Yeah.
1: Like that one bullet didn't go off and it changed properly, everything. Right. Yeah. So if he didn't charge then and he got to he got that on jammed, that second bullet probably would have worked. Right, so just that. I mean, this kind of goes into trust too. Like, who do you trust? And they just worked on instinct. And anyway, he didn't hesitate to move because they were in a situ- situation where it didn't. But the idea here is, you know, we as as people, I think life is very mundane in general for most people. So we like to romanticize everything to make it better than it is. Right. So these guys are just like dealing with. This event that happened in their life and they have these very simple thoughts about it but we'll see what they do with the movie and everybody reveres them as a hero and they're just like you know I just did what I had to do it wasn't a big deal I was just being in the moment and that's how we write our stories too about history and how we have heroes and how we romanticize every type of culture and everything like uh I I just think it's Something that we naturally do as human beings just to make things a little more interesting here on planet Earth.
0: Yeah, and the line really with Felix in this discussion really is about the dichotomy because the only story we really tell, even in our entertainment, is the hero's journey. Like that is the human story that we know. We really don't know beyond this, and I know we've talked about that before, so we're trying to be the heroes, but really that dichotomy of at the same time, countries don't want heroes. They want obedient people. Religions want obedient people. And and, and i say the institution of that, the instant to keep an institution not running. Not the individual, right? Not the individual, but the institution um our run or the cogs in that are the obedient like they don't they wouldn't exist with the, without the obedient energy that he talks about
1: yeah this line for me um, is very important because I think to me um, once you start becoming very mindful of your own self and you become you understand your belief systems and where your thoughts come from and the stories and all of these kind of things, you start to understand how they become puppet strings, right? We paint borders, us versus them, to motivate people into an archetype as the hero to do things they normally wouldn't do. Because if they were mindful, they would see through the bullshit and they wouldn't do those things, right? So when we, be, we practice being consciously awesome, if you will, like choosing to overwrite our subconscious patterning and, um, work through those things. You just, you just, for me, it's a huge trigger because you have people that get up on stage and they say speeches and they're really good marketers (laughs) like Hitler, for example. Right. Uh, his country was actually having really hard economic times and he needed to do something because they were put in this place and they did some, I'm not saying it's right, but he had to do something for his people not to survive. You don't hear that part of the story, right? You just hear him as this big, bad boogeyman who did bad things. Why did he do those bad things? He was, he had an environment that produced that for him. Right? So it's all about our environment. There's a lot of things that happen in life when people are don't have anything to lose, it's okay to lose it all. So they do really bad things because they don't have anything anyway, so.
0: Or they do really good things. Fair enough. Because that's what those people on the train did. They figured we don't have anything to lose, so let's do this, right? right? I mean, it happens either way.
1: So it's just the divisiveness of identifying with a certain thing, right? Whether that's a gender, or a skin color, or an idea, or anything, it's manipulation at its finest because we can't disassociate with that just being that and us being us. And it's not, there's a story behind the belief that motivates us to behave because all beliefs dictate behaviors. So it's very important to understand where your beliefs come from so you're not being manipulated on a subconscious level. That's why I'm saying this is important to me because they see through the bullshit.
0: So then uh, what Felix says is, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about our evolution. That line is equally as important because to me, that's saying waking up, changing the system, realizing who we are, being honest with ourselves. That is evolution. Evolution comes. He is evolution in that moment because he's noticing and he's saying it, and in doing that, he's changing it. So as individuals, the only way out of this is as individuals wake up mm-hmm. and change that perception in my idea, in my thoughts.
1: Sure, and then they, they move on to buy a new shoes and how it makes them feel like a different person, right? Those old right. shoes don't fit, now it's time to be the new me. Right. right. So he is very much talking about evolution.
0: Right, but I also want to note, note in this, uh, the diamond guy. The one the guy the guy that buys the diamond. I I just can't spend my time memorizing the names of all these side people. <laughs> There's so many people in this show. So the diamond guy, um, another thing that he says is without the past, there would be nothing to think about, let alone someone to think about it. So if the past dictates what we think, then revisiting the past can change our future. Mm-hmm. So now, if we look back at the stories of history that have been told with new shoes on, with new eyes, in an evolved way, we actually can change the future by looking at the past. Right, because we can make maybe. different choices. Right, right. We can, but see not looking at nonsense. the past as it's been propagandized to us, but looking at it with our own eyes. Mm-hmm. That's what I think.
1: Well, and he also goes on to talk about courage, and to me, this is one of the highest qualities I think we can develop as a human being. And uh, episode two, I I am also a we, really talked about that. Like there was, who do you trust? And whenever you don't have that courage to make the decisions that you know are best for you, it's usually the the ones you regret, even though Having courage doesn't mean that you don't have fear and that you're not able to move and act accordingly, right? So like the guys on the train, they had courage to do what they did. They chose courage versus fear, right? So developing that courage allows us to make conscious decisions and choose consciously based on the information that we have to build different choices or a new future or a better us or whatever that may be. So to me, I think courage is a, is a theme that's in the show. And I think, um, that was a very important thing that he said.
0: Let's move on to son and that story. Another one that got me going a little bit. So, um, so last week we talked about son's mother and on her deathbed, basically telling son to look out for her brother and i kind of gave the mother the benefit of the doubt a little bit like well we don't know what else was around that should we go a little deeper into that in in this week and so the line as they extend it so they take that same line from last week but they give us both sides um of what and go deeper into what that conversation was and Sun's mother says to her as a little girl she says so proud of you, so smart and so strong. You cannot be jealous of your brother. If I cannot be there to help father realize his dreams, you must be there for me. Please, son, take care of your brother. Do this for me. And that is, I i, I mean, I know that's human nature. A mom's dying, she sees her son as the weaker one, she understands how powerful. How overpowering the father can be she puts this on this little girl and it dictates her life and there's just we just this is why it's so important that you continue your relationship with people once they die like we have to I think one of the ways that we're going to evolve past these repetitive cycles time and time again as humans is to open that veil and allow ourselves to move consciousness beyond the physical. And this is just such a good example, but even even if you're like, okay, I like this show, I like Sense8, Steele and Zach are okay, but They're crazy talking about, you know, being able to communicate with someone after they die. I personally think it's crazy to think you can't, but we all have our own sides. So let's say that you think that and you think, oh yeah, this is fine, but that's just crazy. So at least don't hold the person to their physical limitations. Because when we do that, we hold ourselves to the past. So son, is not giving her mom the honor of her soul. Son can only see and navigate from basically her mom's weakest point. And her her humanness, her fears got pushed on to Sun and dictated her life.
1: Well, I mean, just check out this line and there's a little bit of a redundancy here between what what's going on with Sun, but her mom, right? So this little girl, her mom's dying. She's gonna wanna do everything she possibly can for her mom because she loves her so much and she wants to make her mom proud, right? But her mom sits here and compliments her and then attaches a ball and chain to her ankle for the rest of her life all in the same moment, right? What kind of manipulation is that? And of course, it's people because if we're not conscious of ourself and our mind and our and our, our our place in the world, we're constantly looking to others to reinforce that we're valid, that we are enough. And this is where Sense8 Saved My Life, uh, Lincoln was talking about this. Like, you are enough as the person that you are. You don't need your parents' praise. You don't need your spouse's praise. You don't need your, it makes things easier, but you don't need them to be the greatest person that you are. In fact, I would argue that it's going to make you. A lesser person, if you need those things. So, as a kid, she's sitting there and her mom just compliments her, and it's manipulation at its finest, again, but she's doing it to a little kid, not even that she was doing it on purpose.
0: And then it's almost the identical manipulation that her father does years later. Right, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to say that because this is the who's the good person, who is the bad person. So she's holding her mom as her savior, as the one to be revered, as the one who loved her and, and is beautiful. Like we we get this sort of angelic energy to her mom, yet she's saying these things. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we've got this sort of asshole energy towards the dad and he does the exact same thing when she when he is um when he's talking about her going to de- to jail um the father is so calculated and he's this is his line it's almost the same because it's the first compliment that son gets from her father is what we perceive and it's twisted with a and you're so you're so wonderful you're going to go to jail for your brother but he says my wife god bless her beautiful soul so there you go right there my my wife god bless her beautiful soul tugging at the heart center because he knows that that's the one thing that you can manipulate son with is the memory of her mother um so my wife god bless her beautiful soul raised one child capable of seeing her way out of this disaster and he empowers her it's the like he's saying you are the better person even though he spent his whole life her whole life making her less than treating her as less than and find her way out of it right because it's not hers to get out of she doesn't need to they need her and he does the it's almost an equal line even though we look at the mom and we're like all compassionate for her and we're pissed off at the dad humans are humans Mm -hmm. you know I think that's and emotions are emotions and they it doesn't really make either of them bad people they're just making bad decisions
1: yeah so we watched this scene I did a couple times with Sheila and I had a couple different interpretations of what was happening in the scene where uh son's dad and brother in the same room the last time I watched it I was like I had a hunch I was like man maybe they set her up for this because it was just too good maybe like the father and the son because he knew what was going on he knew but just not maybe to what extent but clearly you you saw how he was spending the money it's not like his dad was stupid he might be ignoring what he was doing Oh, but, he
0: totally says he knew. what He said, you can't get anything by my country. He knew that.
1: Right. So I just think they were setting her up for that, actually. The more I, like the last resonance of that scene that I was stuck with is like, oh, she just totally, they knew what they were doing consciously. You know, they were just going to let her take the fall.
0: Yeah. And then um, her brother basically says, he says to his dad you taught me how to break the rules and then and then the father says to bend them not break them so this is not this is exactly what he was taught to do Mm -hmm. he just took it further he didn't he didn't know the line that dad had been sitting on (laughs) you know he crossed it a little bit or maybe it just was after years of getting you know maybe it wasn't even him maybe it's just because after years of embezzling you're more likely to get caught right <laughs> um so yeah it's something that had been going on it wasn't the fact that he did that it was the fact that he got caught mm-hmm. that was an yeah. issue for him yeah and yeah i don't know how long he planned to put son under the bus but it definitely wasn't a new idea for him right which is irritable irritating (laughs) irritating to me we do have to note that um i didn't pick up on it the first couple times i watched it but it was the embezzlement was around a pharmaceutical company so we've now got the pharmaceutical company going and um We've got that in Dubai, and we've got that um, with Capias, and now we've got this. With yeah, some... so
1: there's a couple different angles. So there, it was stocks. So her company does stocks or something. Like, we don't really know what they do, but she said, like, the stocks get siphoned, basically. And so it's pharmaceutical stocks versus the actual pharmaceuticals themselves. So we have two different conspiracies or two different um, things at play just a
0: yeah i mean there's something there with that that it's moving through all of them and connecting them all right do we want to talk about cavias zebra zebra
1: sure let's talk about cavias what's going on in his world
0: Well, i think this is a really important contradiction to move right from son to this so we talk about how son's mom and dad have treated her and brother um Brother is pissing me off, too, because he, you know, is so manipulative, begging her like a little boy to help. I'm back to son for a second. I'm not done bending. <laughs> You're not
1: done. I'm and not done And then later with
0: you. He, he sends her a text. Can we talk like we used to? I love you. <laughs> if I
1: knew I was going to jail, I would have kicked him out of the window.
0: <laughs> she does. Uh, she does punch that out a little bit so um okay so but anyway we've got what we just talked about what her mom did to her which is an act of love i'm not saying her mom didn't say those things out of love it's everything really is love but it's how do you want love to be expressed and how do we love how do we learn to express love without manipulation and to claim ourselves, and to respect the other person and Kaffias' mom on the other side of this is also dying, right? But she's not saying, oh, Kaffias, take care of me. Oh, Kaffias, you know, do this for eternity because of your dying mom. Instead, she says, if I was not such a bad person, I would stop taking my medicine and let you get on with your life. So she's actually taking responsibility for herself, and she's actually honoring him for the choices that he's making, and and actually, I, I mean, not that she had to say she's a bad person, but she's acknowledging that it's her weakness that's wanting her to stay alive. I'm not saying she shouldn't stay alive, and that he doesn't want her to stay alive, but she's honoring the bigger picture. She's got a, a she's taking responsibility for the the feelings of um, that she's going through as she reaches her death.
1: Yeah, big big contrast. <laughs>
0: We should all be like Caffius and mm. his mom.
1: <laughs> Born with a sunny disposition.
0: <laughs> and then, um, oh, then the line that Caffius says, and we forgot to go back and look up that one word, because Zach and I heard different things. But Caffius then replies to her, and he says, When I iron my shirt, it always burns up. Without you, I would go into the world naked. Is how I heard it. Zach heard it. I heard
1: it. I would go into the wilderness naked.
0: So either way, um, it's just, it's really quite, well, it has different meanings depending on which one of us. That one word would change it. So we can talk about both words however we hear it, right? So as if we go into the world naked, he's just honoring her again, the vulnerability, the love that she's given him. I mean, he's just honoring how much she does for him. He's joking about it with the iron, but obviously it's it's more than physical clothes that he's talking about.
1: Right, and I thought of it as, uh, he always, he's always wants to be a zebra mm-hmm. and go out into the wilderness. So I, th- I, I saw that as, you're my reason to be doing what I'm doing and living the life I am. And if we go back to a scene earlier, uh, his mom kind of programmed him to think that way because she's like, hey, if we're together, Something good's always going to happen, right? So there's this bond that they created through all their hardship when he was a child um, with giving away a sibling and not eating and going from tribe to tribe, all this kind of stuff. So to me, um, and it's your mom, like mom's got a special spot for everybody. Uh, So there was a kind of a codependency there that I I saw too. Like if he's just going to give up and go into the wilderness and chew on some grass... And eventually get eaten by a lion, then uh, you know it's kind of like he's gonna give up.
0: And but at the same time, I can see that on the other side of it, like with my career um, and and all the work that I put in to to my service, my career, and all of this, and even after my twin flame died. I don't know if I would have given up without my kids like they are the reason that I stayed grounded enough to keep going and I think that 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 reality is true for us that that often having somebody to make the human experience worth doing Mm -hmm. is important yeah
1: yeah I wasn't saying it's good or bad I was just making an observation
0: yeah I get either one of those so and then he turns from that conversation and says, I have a feeling today is going to be a really good day. No matter what happens, he sees it and he finds the good. And in doing that, good happens, even though there's crap happening all around him.
1: Yeah, somebody's got to be the optimist of the, of the cluster, right? Somebody's got to have a sunny disposition. I don't think all the characters. That's what makes Caffius Caffius. He's very happy-go-lucky, very positive person.
0: So then Caffius in his, his, this is going to be a good day. And it it actually, as the story unfolds, is a good day. We don't know that in the beginning, but good things and bad things happen from every decision we make. So um, as he moves on, we said Caffius gets picked up by Silas, who's the drug lord, and um, as they're driving away, this part is important, I think. So the guy from the bus says, it seems he is not coming back. So I guess it's not when they're driving away. Like the the military people or whatever he's got, they're in uniforms. They stop him and they take him off into the jungle in the woods or trees.
1: With some, with some assault rifles.
0: Yeah. And so the guy says, it seems it seems he's not coming back. And Jealous says, Van Damme always comes back. And I just think the love and the... Jealous sees Mm Cappius for who he really is. He says it in that other line, they're just one-liners. If anyone can be a zebra, it's It's you. you. So isn't that what we all want, to be seen, to be understood, Mm -hmm. to have one, even one person who actually sees the specialness inside of us and doesn't see us like everyone else but sees something that we are, that spark? is like the most incredible thing.
1: It is a beautiful gift to have that as a human being, no doubt.
0: It's always what I've always wanted. I mean, I think if anything, that's when the one thing is I just wanna be seen. Mm -hmm. You were saying that um, you heard Lana in an interview referring to something similar, and that's probably why this is in there.
1: Yeah, well, it wasn't an interview, it was a speech in 2014 i think don't quote me on that but anyway she was doing a speech for um this organization and i don't know a lot about it so don't quote me, don't beat me up um it's it was had to do something with transgenders um like a committee or a foundation or something and she came out and she gave this wonderful speech but one thing that stuck out to me is that she was able to say the thing that motivates her in the morning is the beautiful blue eyes that she wakes up to and to me that she just said hey I get some I get somebody who sees me as me right transgender is her wife and but that's the thing that's so special to me is because somebody actually sees me for who I am so uh, it's in the show too right so that all these experiences that they have collectively together, really that message gets to spread out into the show. And I would agree wholeheartedly. It's really awesome when you are on the same page with somebody, you're on the same wavelength for a very long time. Uh, even before I met you, Sheila, I've had people to come in and out of my life, but a lot of people just weren't talking my language right? And then I met you and you understood me. So that was a big deal because you got to see me and we could have a conversation how I have conversations. So that was very special to me because everybody else thought I was probably crazy and didn't really know where I was coming from. They're like, this guy learned how to talk on Pluto. I don't understand his concepts very well, or they don't make very much sense. You know, and here we are.
0: (laughs) I speak Pluto. (laughs) (laughs) Plutonian. (laughs) Um and you know what just so what you said that like lana's life is seeping into the mood or to the show and then we see the show and the and lana's life seeping into the fans life or to mm-hmm. our life. yeah for sure and you know not connecting it to this show or to anything about it Four thirty last night i just woke up and i was laying in bed And all of a sudden I just got this huge wave of gratitude for you because you see me. And I know that, but the feeling that welled up in me, it was like Mm -hmm. looking into those beautiful blue eyes, you know, that she's experiencing. It's like, wow, wow, to be seen, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. It's a big deal.
0: (laughs) It is a big deal. And I think that it's you know like this is not a big line in the plot but i think that that's why there is such a movement of people whose lives are being transformed because of sense eight because we're seeing we're feeling seen because we see ourselves in this show and in order for ourselves to be in this show and in all different ways because what i see when I saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, they're speaking my language. They, I see them working so hard to tell these truths and find the words and find the art. That's what I saw. Somebody else may be seeing like Nomi's plot or Caffius's and or, or this line. And I think that so many people are feeling seen by Sense8 for very different reasons and yet that's all we want. And that's why the fan family, is that what Martin yeah. said? fan family um, or the world cluster is experiencing There's It's like, I don't know, it's like if you go, and I, I'm sure people have it from different religions or country. Like if you're in another country and you see someone from your own country, um, in, even if they're from California and you're from New York or... Or if they're from Montana and you're from New York, which is really more of a difference, but um, you're going to be like, oh man, you're from the same country. You know, there's like a familiarity when you right, see it. Yeah. Or like, um, I, an alumni. An alumni. Like I nations. attended, yeah, like if you're in a 12 step program, so like an Al Anon or an AA. No matter or where, consciously in, awesome. or a consciously awesome, yeah. No matter where you are in the world, you can go into one of those groups, and there's a baseline that you feel like at least that aspect of your life will be seen. And I think that's what people feel with sensei.
1: And as we're talking, and I'm just feeling out what it means to be seen a little bit more. Uh, what I mean by that is to be seen is to be seen, not manipulated, right? So yeah. it's the difference of stopping and smelling and appreciating a flower versus stopping and picking a flower right right so to be seen just lets you be you without being manipulated right and that's the great thing about sense aid is because it gives people permission to be themselves because there really isn't this box that we all fit into you know there's there's not um everybody's so unique in their own different way and we talked about i talked about being manipulated by other people and how you feel like you need to fulfill their obligations of you that's not being seen you know what i mean you're just like i want i want to make you proud or i want to be whatever fill in the blank this is and you do what that needs to be done but that doesn't mean that's you as a person or your essence and Sensei cracks that wide open and says just be you it's okay there's a lot of people out there With your struggles everybody's you know there's people out there like you you can be seen by people in society because you're not alone so i think it's a beautiful thing and i think there's a, a deeper level to being seen than language or anything else
0: right well think about this jealous doesn't go after he doesn't he doesn't sacrifice himself for it. He stays with the bus, mm-hmm. even before when uh, because he trusts that always comes. Right, back. he has a level of trust in Caphius, yeah. even back when he said, you know, out of loyalty, he was going go to go with Caphius the first time when he was going to fight, and Caphius says, "No, you have a family," and mm-hmm. he listens and he goes. So the that. that those subtleties show a high highly conscious relationship that we don't see always. Yeah. You know, in codependency.
1: hmm It's yeah. a big deal.
0: Those are big deals. Yeah. All right, we got like two more <laughs> two more topics to get to, Zach. All right. So let's uh let's dive into Kala.
1: Oh, all right, Kala.
0: She doesn't have a lot of scenes, but we've got some pretty powerful lines. And hers, too. Yep,
1: and it's more thematic, very thematic, I think, across the board, everything we've been talking about.
0: Yeah, it kind of is a continuation of some of the other conversation we've had. We first see Kala when they're negotiating her wedding ceremony. Mm -hmm. And the, I don't know who those two people are. Some
1: consultants (laughs) or priests, consultants, I don't know. Wedding singers, who knows?
0: Some Wedding
1: wedding planners.
0: Some sleazy They're not yeah. the priests because they're talking they're doing the business for the priests. Right. No, they, know, they wa- remind me of a role and I don't know what and it is. And they didn't
1: want to talk about money because it was gonna be really expensive.
0: <laughs> but they were totally there to do the right. money. Like it, it was like uh, very strange <laughs> it was it was funny, but it was like what you take away will charge you more. So we're going to keep you there for six hours because you want to change exchange rings, which is pretty ridiculous because an actual wedding ceremony and I've offici- officiated them, uh, a, a modern Christian type exchange of rings can like takes like 10 to 15 minutes. Right. So because he wants rings, which also kind of, I wasn't really trusting him with uh, why he wanted a wedding ring on his finger. And now I'm saying it right now. I don't know what um, Korea is like, but I know that people um, sometimes put wedding rings on when they work in Japan, because if you don't have a wedding ring on, like an, an I've heard, this is just me hearing, of businessmen who wear wedding rings when they're in certain cultures that if you're not married then they won't do business with you oh so i just felt it was very fishy about him Hmm. i just want this wedding ring i thought
1: we just had a stage five clinger (laughs) this guy he's very clingy to her
0: he is clingy but i don't i think he's way more manipulative than clingy so
1: oh he's he's, he's, uh, he's top of the top of the food chain on a pharmaceutical company who's doing bad things you know he's got uh, he's not stupid
0: we don't know he's doing bad things oh yet. oops <laughs> well actually we do in this episode yeah we do in this episode we do he's, yeah. he's got he's a wanted poster yeah so um so we got that going on and they're basically like you know holding him hostage to have this wedding and it's going to cost too much and then their joke is like how much to not have the ceremony at all and they go you oh can't you can't afford, afford it. it but then again like is this kind of mafia stuff like is it is she gonna be let out we don't know like they're not mafia but they're like manipulative can she get out of this if she wants to you know Mm-hmm. because they could do things the priesthood the- robbing your coffers <laughs> for time um so, but then the other important thing is that then she goes to the temple to pray to Ganesh. And um, they, some of the people there. Uh,
1: some disciples or people praying. Right,
0: people that, are that
1: pray there every day.
0: Pray there. They probably are some form of leader or teachers or uh, elders that are looked up to because it, they were sitting on like a pedestal type thing with flowers and stuff around. Like they were sitting.
1: Oh, I didn't, I didn't pay attention. I thought I saw some dude sitting on a bench oh, maybe passing out papers I and mean, propaganda.
0: Wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just happened to be behind. But anyway, he's sitting there. And yeah, they've got pictures of her fiancé and his dad. Yeah. And these are the bad people now. And she doesn't know that. She's kind of stunned, and we don't really get her reaction that well.
1: Yeah, he says, they're trying to destroy our India and turn it into America. They use their evil drug money to buy off politicians. So it's interesting, too. Okay, so we'll keep going. Oh, We'll just leave it there. So um, one of them is a head of the pharmaceutical company, and the other one is a politician. I just made that connection when we watched it this time. I'm like, oh... They can work together even though they're in different industries. So I was like, I was just curious if they really are in cahoots, like his father and son, if they're mm-hmm. kind of doing some dirty work in, together.
0: Right. Um, and I think that that's a family industry too. So he came up through the pharmaceutical. The father probably came up and right. moved into politics. And
1: there's nowhere in the story that I can remember that actually indicates that from everything that's been filmed. But. There hasn't been time to elaborate on that completely yet either. So it was curious. It was curious right. to see if they were actually working together. It was just a part oh, of no, the next I part. Think, right? Yeah,
0: I think that they're working together. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that there's that knowing going on there. Or yeah. So this line really got to me um, because then this person who so now we've got them as like the bad guy. Now we've got them like as the, so now they're setting up um, her fiance and future father-in-law as the bad guy and she's got conflict in her head, right? Because, well, I think she's conflicted anyway and she's not feeling good about him even though she doesn't have this information, but everybody's telling her that he's the good person and he's treating her well. So this whole time she's kind of like, well, I should love him. But her intuition is telling her it's not cool but everybody around her says it's good and so she's been trying to override her intuition anyway but so she's seeing layers of this and trying to make sense of it and in disbelief that there's these you know posters of her of them up there and that she's hearing this information about them
1: well she's got some more conflict too right because her culture like her family culture is telling her to get married Her religious culture is telling her not this is a bad person right and then she has her own intuition saying i don't want to i don't love him i don't want to marry him so i think there's a lot of conflict building up within her because religion is very important to most people who are religious right it's usually the top thing on the chart and then you have your family but she's got to kind of balance all of these things out uh and so I, i i can see where she's getting a little confused
0: well, and her family are making decisions based on their religion, because they're traditionalists mm-hmm. in, in the same time. But she's the only one we see, and I'm not saying, because her family seems very good in their own way, but she's the one that keeps going to the temple. Um, and she's she's got her own, spe- even within the religion and the culture and the family, there's something inside of her that is different than the others Mm -hmm. which is a theme here right we all have felt different right Yeah, and all of the characters are different than the ones around them they're not like they're not fitting in to their families their culture their religions in the way that the others around them seem to be able to
1: I wonder if this is why so many people are finding each other through this show across the Internet.
0: I think maybe. <laughs> so the line that really triggered me. So we've got these religious figures saying this, and they're trying to protect their religion. I mean, let's, let's really call it out, no matter what religion it is. They want their traditions to be upheld, and they want the freedom to worship the way they worship. But then he says, we pray to... T- we pray to Ganesh to destroy our enemy before the enemy destroys us or they destroy us. And so she's there and religions do this. Like that's, it's just, it's not cool.
1: Not cool. Religion. Stop
0: it. (laughs) It's not cool to pray. Like, think about that. If there is a God
1: well, I mean, this is this is the thing: is most of our religious thought is based in separation theology, not oneness.
0: It not mes- all it, of them. It I'm messes making, things
1: up. A lot of it well, is based in separate. You're separate from God. That's that's the root of most. And you're trying to get uh, commune with God or be part of it. the The root isn't, hey, you're part of all that is. There's a big difference, and so that's the root belief system that's causing all of these problems, right? Because if you're separate from God, that means you're separate from your fellow human beings. That means you're separate from nature. That means you're separate from your family members. So it's it's, it's, it's the root of this issue. Separation theology is not having a good effect on humanity.
0: Exactly, and it comes in all different forms, And, and that's the they versus we, and if we can tell a story that gives us an enemy even if we're not going to pick up a rifle it, but we're going to pray that the person is destroyed like it would be one thing to in my in my perception of this it's one thing to pray or intend or invoke a desire or claim the the want for a behavior to be destroyed for someone to see things differently for A pattern of energy to change but to make someone an enemy and then pray for them to be destroyed and then to talk it out without knowing who you're talking to it just shows the layers and Mm -hmm. there's only one way out in my mind and again it's we have to think beyond the human we have to we have because if if you really have a faith If you really have a faith, then nobody can be a threat to it. It's not the exterior. Nobody can take that away from you. And we're, con. I mean, most wars are about this, that we could take this away, that we couldn't practice, that this person, when we look at them, they're worshiping idols and we're not when they're doing the exact same thing with different plastic figurines.
1: (laughs) Or golden ones or whatever.
0: So it's just, um, that line is really powerful and, and heartbreaking to me. I think. It's sad. It's sad. And, and I just.
1: Us versus them. They're very, very strong strings to be pulled.
0: So Zach, you asked me earlier, what's the answer? Because this is something that we've talked about. I get triggered by. Um, and when I, I, I feel a heaviness and a sadness in my heart when i see the human experience of this separation and mentality and you know we've talked about governments and we've talked about religions and countries and um mental health issues on the train today you know like all of these things and what is the way out if we're not going to institutionalize and and forget about the human and forget that every human is unique within itself and part of the reflection of oneness, then how do we solve this? And for me, the only way is to solve it by remembering that and by each individual learning to look beyond the human experience. When it comes to son, looking beyond what her mom said as a human, and seeing something bigger, a bigger perspective than my mother said this 30 years ago in her fear. Um, so, to me, learning to see souls and see human experience and to separate that and that lack of integration in humans. Is something that's very hard and and for me one of the hard things was that I do see souls that's that whatever you want to call soul I see what is beyond the physical I have empathy I understand people um, naturally and see their full potential for years and years I felt like I got hit by that and I see these characters getting hit by that because i would ignore the human behaviors that didn't match the full potential that i saw in them so there's two things here that i would say for my answer one is it comes as individuals and until we wake up as individuals and we begin to see beyond the humanness until all individuals start to learn or the tipping point when the majority of individuals can see beyond the physical limitations that is key and will transform things and we can move beyond these old storylines but the other piece is that when we learn to see that and the physical and base our decisions on both so the huge turning point for me was when i stopped ignoring the behaviors of people and the feelings that didn't align with the soul that i saw and i began to acknowledge that yes i can see this soul And I also see the behaviors that are happening that aren't congruent with that soul that I'm seeing, the behaviors I don't like, um, and I don't choose, even though I know that that is an expression of convoluted love, I don't choose to have that expression in my life, and therefore I'm going to base my decisions on where I place my attention, both on the soul that I see and the behaviors and and so it's the actions it's the behaviors not the people that we condemn
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or not even condemn it just they're just behaviors i condemn is too big of a word just decide not to put our attention on not to be influenced by
1: yeah condemnation is not a fun practice (laughs) it's not good it's not very healthy
0: i'd rather yeah no condemning of anything but separate the behaviors from the soul
1: Yeah, so there was one thing in there that you said that I want to ask about. You said the lack of human integration. Can you expand on that just for a moment? What does that mean, Sheila? So
0: So, if you look at someone, if you're empathic or you feel a sense of you're able to... So Caffius sees the good in everything, Right so if he didn't look at everything and he just looked at people's souls and not the behavior then you, our souls are perfect right there is an essence of us that is part of all that is oneness god creator that is perfect there's nothing to fix there's nothing to heal and that is it within every single one of us it can't not be because all that is is all that is but at the same time as human beings We are not always aware of that. We aren't always connected to it. We aren't always conscious of it. So we can make those decisions based in fear, and there isn't an integration to the bigger picture. And if, in that lack of integration, means we don't see beyond the little situation, we're in survival mode usually, basically. Whether we're really getting just trying to survive for food, or or we just have a perception of having to survive, but. In order, to, in order to live consciously and to evolve as Felix says we are, we have to be able to see every aspect of ourselves and other people. We have to see them as the limited human and that that is only a tiny piece of their higher self, their crystalline or ascended self, their vibrant earth self, their alpha and omega self, and all that is.
1: Thanks. Thanks for explaining integration.
0: <laughs> so simple.
1: Yeah. It's easy, super easy. No problem. <laughs> Over the last couple of years, I've just learned that it's okay to love people from a distance.
0: Yeah. Sometimes the most loving thing to do is to not place your attention mm-hmm. on someone. And when you're, when you're being manipulated, affected by their behaviors, then the only loving thing to do is to step away and turn your attention to a place where you can ju- you're free to just look at their soul because it's mm-hmm. not affecting you on a yeah. daily basis.
1: All right. Let's talk about Jonas. This is pretty cool. I think Will, like I said earlier, I really, after watching this particular episode and looking back, I was like, man, Will, he's getting prepped. He's going to be the quarterback, <laughs> if you will, for a poor analogy. But um, he's the one, he's getting a lot of information that the other ones are not about being a eight, And I think it's for a very specific reason, because he has a really big role to play <laughs> uh, that the other characters don't have to play later in the show. So very interesting
0: yeah so we have we we noticed that nomi and will are the only one interacting with jonas and getting this and really getting information
1: well nomi only got three seconds with jonas
0: right because she is um being she's under fear and drugs (laughs) so he really can't access her because she can't tell that it's him but so yes will is the one so was he just physically in the united states and that's why or was he in the united states because will was the key player we've got chicago being um where Mm -hmm. angelica had gone um
1: i'm just now thinking of something as we're talking about this so when jonas was in nomi's hospital room he was actually in san francisco Jonas then went to Chicago physically. Right. So is there a limit of how far they can visit each other? Does that make sense? So it's not like, I don't know, maybe maybe not, because later yeah, in the later show. okay, yeah, yeah, there's longer distance. Okay. Yeah. I, was, I just had to talk that out because I well, was like, oh, <laughs> why didn't he go back to know me or whatever? Why isn't he talking to anybody else? I was like, is it because of his physical location? But...
0: I can see. I think that and, gets and debunked in season two. Sort of, except if we're translating it into human experience. Um, I can see where, at least in the beginning, it could have been helpful to know me and Will. Um, and the reason I'm saying that is when my twin flame was alive and we lived within the same general community, and sometimes he would... Um, go to Canada and when he got further away from me even if we hadn't been near each other like we weren't near each other physically or talking every day in the physical world all the time but when he left I remember I remember one time just driving and thinking "Ah, oh, it's so quiet it was like when he was further away all the conversation that I heard in the head that I had gotten so used to in its absence, it was like a breather sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I can see in a human, like in the human reflection of this that there could be an element that in the beginning that that would be helpful. Yes, it gets debunked. I don't. It's not necessary, but I definitely remember times going, ah, mm-hmm. my brain is so quiet. <laughs> and then as soon as he's back. Must be, be like back, winter. Yeah. <laughs> so, but Jonas has some really good lines here again. And teaches will a lot of, um, I want to say a lot of the lore because I think that it's so important to remember that we as humans we like to make sense of everything and. Um I'm I'm one of those when we were working on the the movie or the novel I'm I have to go down every loophole like that's one of my specialties <laughs> and
1: we also like to romanticize about everything at the same time so I'm just going to throw that in there and let you finish right. cuz it it'll, it'll come back trust me
0: okay cuz I don't know what you're it's saying It's
1: okay No just romanticizing things like war or heroes or a time period or like Samurai, for example, there's different, or the Knights of the Round Table, like we make them sound very romantic and it wasn't a romantic period or they didn't do romantic things. They're idealized. So having that said, we're talking about lore of the show and how it can. there's a romantic idea behind the lore that we can get attached to versus logically stepping this out and see how it plays out in real life
0: right so like that's what i'm thinking like we we as sensates that are being in in ignited by this show and as people are waking up and and feeling like understood and they're they're, as we're listening to this and there's such brilliance and and one of the things that zach said at the end of this show that watching it this time he said it is clear that this has been divinely created and so it is so obvious and I'm not saying this is the only show because
1: oh, there's, there's a lot
0: creativity is definitely a uh, part of creation energy. That's all it is flowing. So a lot of our art is divinely orchestrated. And this is no exception. Um, but I think it's so important that we don't limit ourselves and reduce the message of this. And you're going to hear me say this over and over because it's important. We can't reduce the message of it. We have to remember that some of these structures that are being put in here have everything to do with the way you have to write to tell a story in human form and Mm -hmm. in this um, medium. So... They get into, you can do this with this group, with your cluster, and this, you know. So, yeah, this is cool. It's part of the the dynamics to tell the story, but don't cling to that when you translate it into your real life, is what right. I would say.
1: don't romanticize it.
0: Yeah, I get that now. Get you now, Zach. Excellent.
1: I told you it would come back.
0: <laughs> All right, so in this scene... um, well, Will's being the, the helper. He helps Son out at one point when she's going after her brother and someone comes up behind her with a gun because he seems to be the gun, one. She does mm-hmm. the non-weapon tree. He does the weapon tree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, so he's gone. He goes into the federal building or, to, or federal prison, prison or something to try to talk to Jonas. And when the guy comes up, because he's linked into Sun at that moment, he ends up speaking in Korean. And then the guy, the guy's like, "Oh, I learned it in karate." Right? Yeah, Hapkido.
1: He's like, "I did Hapkido for 13 years, and my sensei had the filthiest mouth, or whatever, for yeah, so cause long." Yeah, because he just
0: said some stupid little line. Yeah, like, didn't make much sense. So, anyway, um, so he's there. He doesn't get to see Jonas. Um, in person. But again, there you are with a proximity. He's in the building mm-hmm. and that links him back up. They then continue to see each other, but there's something about that. So I would say it's when we're thinking like that, right? Like, cause until you learn to think bigger, there's just opening up to this. We think until in small <laughs> proximity. Learn
1: to allow bigger.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> until you learn to allow bigger. But think about that. Like I've always said, so, so the way it translates into the world, the internet and Twitter, social media, Skype, Hangouts, all of these things have helped us expand our worldview. I mean, only Mm -hmm. a generation ago, you basically knew the people in your neighborhood, you know? Um, A couple generations ago, but I was talking to my in-laws and they were talking about when they got married or when when she was younger. So they're in their 70s. And uh, when she was younger...
1: Just out of college, yeah, or around there. Well, or going when she to was college? younger,
0: younger, they moved in their teenage years, and they moved like what was like a fifteen minute drive away, and she never saw her friends again. And then when she got married and came to Syracuse from Little Falls, which is about a forty five minute drive, it because we were talking about it because you know their granddaughter is going is now in L A. and it seems so far, and and he was saying. That's how far it was for you, your family, when we moved to you know forty five minutes away. It's that far anymore,
1: too. Right. So, like I, a lot yeah. Smaller.
0: So I think that that what I mean is that when you think like that, like he thought he had to go talk to Jonas, and so he had to get there, and it's it's about helping to change our mindset, and I think the mm-hmm. internet has done an incredible job with that too. Yeah, for sure. So, but anyway, so he's there. He can't get into him, um, and then Jonas shows up and they touch hands and he says, I feel you here. I can feel you. Um, and Jonas says, I'm in solitary confinement. And then he says, Angelica called it visiting.
1: Which is different from listening, right? Sharing,
0: sharing. sharing. So members of clusters do it instinctively. So it's not that you can't visit. So this is the lore so he's learning the lore, and this is important as we learn the story. So, um, but it also is why the eyes, because the, the, the eyes are the portal to the soul. Just a tangent, there were years un- <laughs> where people would tell me that they were afraid of my website because of my eyes. I think I'm pretty friendly, but like, and so I'd be like, why? Like, I'm afraid of you because of Cause your he eyes. Because you see
1: dead people. Oh.
0: <laughs> but they said, it. they would say to me, because I'd ask him why, and they said, because it seemed like you could look into the souls and know things about me that I don't want to know. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty accurate. That's what I do for a living. <laughs> but anyway, um, so this, the eye thing is there, but so he's setting up some of the boundaries and the rules of what's going to happen. So there's we know there's more than one cluster, clusters can um clusters can share is what he starts to talk about later um and sharing is like knowing the language because at one point um will says i can't speak korean and jonas says yes you can and when you get it you will so it's like he already can, but he just has to get it. He has to know what to do. And then he'll start using all those tools. Um, and then he reminds him, he says, you are no longer just you. And again, it's not losing himself into this. He's more than himself.
1: Right, which is awesome.
0: Right? Yeah. So that's really important. And so then so there, Jonas, again, is is teaching him He's delineating between um, sharing, which is when you can uh, actually share your skills and your knowledge, which they say is only in the cluster. I'd interpret interpret it it's way easier with people you have a deeper soul connection with. And then outside um, outside of the cluster, in this storyline, you have to have been physically looking in each other's eyes before you can um, visit each other. In real life, that's not true. I've done a lot of visiting, and I know a lot of people who do visit.
1: So then, so um, Jonah said, visiting is not calling or texting. It's not something that you make happen. It's something that you let or that you allow. So again, he's kind of just reinforcing like, you don't make this thing happen. You'll let it happen. So
0: Yeah, and that's really important. So that's after they're in the car. So Will goes out in the car after they've been disrupted. And, uh, oh, he gets taken... Jonas gets taken away in a hazmat suit, right? Yeah, like, I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, so we know something's going on. These dudes going go on. into this prison
1: in hazmat suits and take out a man. Like, what? what? Yeah, he's it's kind of crazy.
0: So anyway, so Jonas is in the car and, and he's been reminded about Nomi needing him his help. And so he's trying to like will his way. To that. Oh, did they pick Will for that reason? So he's trying to will his way to reconnect with Jonas. Jonas appears and he's like, I was trying to reach you. And then he says that. Like, it, it's not calling or texting, um, and it's that allowing. That is so important. But I also think it's interesting because, like I just said, I think that calling and texting is helping us learn how mm-hmm. to move beyond. But also, I thought it was very interesting that none of them do switch over to calling and texting. Like, eventually, I think they have each other's phone numbers or something, but, like, they could have just, hey, where are you? I mean, they have these conversations of, like, where are you? And why not just be like, here's my phone number, or I'm this person in this town, look me up. Like, it wouldn't be that hard to switch over and actually talk to people, um, which... I mean, some of them come together, so they must do some of that. But I, I don't know. I thought that maybe was they
1: Maybe they'll throw it in for fun later. Maybe it's just something like, ah, oh, we don't need to, to address that. And just for story reasons. Well, we don't you know? need
0: to. I mean, I think this is a stronger communication. But we... So it goes back to my philosophy that texting and Internet and all this has helped us to think bigger and to move towards the allowing of our telepathic communication, et cetera, But it can also, it's the gateway, but it could be the thing that holds us back if we don't go beyond it. So, I mean, if they had started texting and stuff, they probably wouldn't have continued to develop their communication. Yeah, and
1: that's a pretty important deal. Yeah. So we got, he just gets out of the prison. They take Jonas away, and now Will's in a pinch. He knows he has to save Nomi, and Nomi's in a pinch because she's going to get surgery and she actually says help me like she is she, she is reaching out again to get help
0: and i think you know and, and and this is after what's going on soundtrack starts it's in the middle of some of this so we you know we don't have much to say about that i mean it's just awesome but wills at the computer in the beginning of the song and this is happening in the middle of the song so wills at the computer and i'm he's probably trying to Vynoma. It's exactly what we just talked about. I'm just realizing it. He's probably trying to find her at the computer because he's been instructed to go help this person to save their lives. And um, then the connections made with all of them through the song, and they're all linking in together. And then he wakes up on the couch, so he follows it. He must like leave the computer in the middle of the song. <laughs> Not that they know that they're singing it all together, but on the couch and and then she calls help me so he's kind of like in a sleep state almost and then he goes over and uses his skills
1: yes get out of jail free card <laughs> he breaking those handcuffs open yeah it's pretty legit
0: it was also nice that they changed handcuffs to metal and not those leather straps because he mm. might not have been his right credit. that would have been problematic <laughs> that was convenient and then um needs gets know out which is just awesome and then will kind of comes to and he's like that was so wild like right and that's the first time that any of them have really acknowledged the absolute coolness of helping each other right yeah
1: what an experience hey i just jumped in somebody else's body <laughs> use my skills to escape a hospital like that there's some adrenaline going on in there, <laughs> <Right? you> are, <laughs> on top of like supra consciousness like it's it'd be a, a big deal i imagine
0: yeah so well, that's pretty awesome and I, I mean it's just epic and it's all done within the what's going on soundtrack which has become like i said kind of iconic it's kind of it, it is since eight in so many ways it is and then we have the fan version of it so it's just an it's just an incredible way that they presented it something that we as fans were able to hold on to we've got the the fan um video of people coming around from around the world singing it and coming together which actually sparked martin for the documentary so it's just like a it, it's so beautiful, and then the line, I mean, we said it in the beginning, but it it deserves repeating where it needs to, or Nomi says that she's been hearing this song, and then she's like, that. Um,
1: it's a perfect for song, song for a lobotomy.
0: Yeah, so, and that's where they give credit.
1: Yeah, and then Nomi's like, what's going on? Like, she was, like, having that question, like, what is going on? So, right. it's, it's just such a, a great song, so you couldn't have picked a better song for the show. Shazak. So yeah.
0: There was a little bit in episode four that was worth talking there about. There was a little
1: bit, and I'm sure we could have gone, we could have kept going and gone deeper. But <laughs> here we are, going to wrap up the show. You can find out more about Sheila's and my work at consciouslyawesome.com. You can connect with us on Twitter. That's at live underscore sense8. You can email us at team at dot 8com you can support us on Patreon forward slash Live Sense 8. And thank you very much for listening to this episode.
0: Don't forget March 20th, Global Meditation to Give Sense 8 Season 3.